Woke up quick at about noon. And welcome into the Wednesday, August 12th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard platform. We thank you so much for tuning in, downloading. We thank you so much for subscribing. And most of all, we thank you so much for listening. Today feels like a day full of top stories. You, know, you got Dame Lillard's performance yesterday. You got the Phoenix Suns 7-0. and You've got the race for the 8th and ninth spot in the Western Conference Finals, or the Western Conference Playoffs, excuse me. You had an absolutely catastrophic day for college sports yesterday. Just, just brutal. Um, but it's not universal. And we'll explain what that means coming up here uh, in just a few minutes. Our podcast is centralized and localized here in Sacramento, California. I don't know what to say about the Kings game yesterday. Kings win 112-106. It's their second win of the bubble, and it's their second win against the New Orleans Pelicans. As you know, Zion Williamson didn't play. Brandon Ingram didn't play. Drew Holiday didn't play. De'Aaron Fox didn't play. Uh, Harrison Barnes did. He had a game-high 25 points. That's his most uh, in the seven games so far for the Sacramento Kings. Kings now 2-5 and five with their final game coming up tomorrow morning at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Obviously, Kings, Pelicans both eliminated, so there's not really a lot to do with this one. I'm going to do a Sacramento Kings podcast over on the Hoopball Podcast Network uh, later on today. I'm hoping to grab, uh, I'm hoping to grab a voice uh, to do the show with me, uh, so we could talk about the Kings. Um, but I just I don't know what to do with that uh, when it comes to basketball. There were far bigger stories uh, to discuss, but before we get into those, we'll start with a personal story, and I'm going to keep it short. Because I still haven't gotten the clear to tell you everything, and I think I'll be able to do that. I will be able to do that on Friday's episode. Um, I'm sure most of you have noticed I've been posting, teasing, cryptic tweets, if you will, about ESPN 1320, uh, and many of you have been able to figure out on your own coming up on Monday. Uh, I will be starting with ESPN 1320 AM here in Sacramento. Uh, no matter where you listen to this podcast, you can listen to that radio show by downloading the radio.com app, uh, finding ESPN 30, uh, ESPN 1320, and hitting uh, the heart button. So basically favoriting the station. And um, it'll be a noon show. That'll be a familiar time slot. We'll drop that. Woke up quick at about noon. Just as we always do coming up on, on, on Monday. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm not coming alone. That's why I still have to be a little bit cryptic. There are some things to finish out on that front. Uh, the official you know, name of the show has to be approved by legal. All of those different things. I was told that's almost certainly going to be today. Uh, it's been announced to the staff over there at ESPN 1320. So I got to go ahead to, to tell you a little bit about it. Obviously, I'm extremely excited about it. Uh, ESPN 1320 on Monday at noon. I hope you will uh, tune in. Uh, I hope you will download the radio.com app so you can listen to the show live. And what's that mean for the future of the podcast? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, let, let's, let's fill in here. Uh, Be Heard, the Be Heard platform is going to be a part of the radio show. I got clearance on that. The Be Heard platform is growing in a way that I'm so proud of. And I don't want you to m- misunderstand me. I'm very, very proud of the fact that I'm going back to ESPN 1320 or that I'm going back to the radio. And I'm going to talk a lot more in depth about this probably on Friday. But I am so, so proud of what Be Heard is turning into. Uh, We have some amazing things with our community in the works that I cannot wait for you to find out about. 
and we've got partnerships with tremendous organizations. Morgan Reagan has done such an amazing job of linking us up with some great, great organizations and be heard. We're just at the beginning of that. That is going absolutely nowhere. Be conscious. Uh, the Patreon page, all of the extra content over there on patreon.com slash Damien Barling, that is going nowhere. Our partnership uh, with the Dope Ones and the dopeones.com and all of the gear that we got over there regarding Be Heard in this particular podcast, it is going absolutely nowhere. This podcast will obviously be modified a little bit. Uh, I, it, from, from what I understand, uh, the radio show we're going to be doing, it's, it, it'll, it'll, it'll absolutely 1,000% have a podcast form, but it'll be serving on their own channel. So I'll have to give you, uh, you know, those subscription names and links and you know where to find it and all that stuff as soon as I get the clear. And I believe I should have that either today or tomorrow. Hopefully I'll have that in time for Friday's podcast so I can share that with you. But I still will post original content here on this stream. It won't be daily and it certainly won't be at 7 in the morning. Uh, but it'll be uh, regular. Don't unsubscribe. Don't delete. Uh, don't go anywhere. Don't let this show be, uh, you know, replaced by the radio show. Keep this uh, podcast feed uh, live and active uh, in your in your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen. And I promise I will continue to provide you uh, with bonus content here because, as I explained to them, uh, you you and and again, I'll I'll get far more in depth into this on on Friday, but. This is because of you. And I can go back to, you know, our first or second episode when I said, you know, we're going to get people's attention with this podcast. And we did. We've got Vibe Health Bar's attention. We got Sky Natural's attention. We've got organizations around our community's attention. Uh, and we got Intercom Communications slash ESPN 1320's attention. And we're all going over to ESPN together. So if I can give you a homework assignment today, uh, could you go like and follow and subscribe and all of that stuff to the various social media accounts on ESPN 1320? Uh, it's at ESPN 1320 on Twitter. Uh, the same with Instagram and search ESPN 1320 on Facebook. Just follow along with those pages because another a little footnote to my job there with ESPN is I told them essentially that their social network channels were trash. And when you see them with the exception of some very recent updates that you could probably, you know, figure out who to point the finger at the, the go see them. Like the Instagram feed is just trash. No one has ever been ever to been at, no one has ever been able to put in work to it. Uh, and that's something I'm going to be doing. You know, I'm going to be working on the show Really, you know, from, you know, from this time in the morning to, well, depending on when you're listening to this, but I'm recording now, it's like 6 a.m., you know, from now until, uh, you know, 12 o'clock, I'm going to be working on the show. 12 to 2 was the time frame for the show right now, and then obviously, you know, we'll be live on the show, and then immediately following that, I'll be do doing a, a ton of work with our social media channels. Uh, so if you could go follow those again at ESPN1320 on Twitter, Instagram, and then search ESPN1320 uh, on Facebook. I believe the plan right now is, and we've got a lot of kinks to work out, but the plan right now is a video stream will be live on Facebook as well. So we're planning on a, you know, a Facebook live with the radio show. So go, you know, make sure you check that out. Make sure you follow that and I'll keep you updated. I should have, 
I should have confirmation in time for Friday show, either today or tomorrow, whether that 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 Facebook live feed is, is going to be happening. But I, I know that that was the initial plan. Uh, we just want to make sure that we get uh, we get all those little details ironed out. So uh, that's what all of the cryptic posts have been about. Uh, that's what the August 17th date is about this coming Monday, 12 o'clock ESPN 1320. Uh, I really hope you'll follow me over there and and thank you for the tremendous support. We're on episode, you know, we're on podcast episode. I think we're approaching like 260 right now. And that's just phenomenal. Uh, and again, I keep saying I'm I'm going to talk more about this Friday, but I just keep you guys have no idea how close I've been to just giving up on this podcast, especially that first week of the pandemic was such a kick in the stomach when I thought you guys were all gone. And I know I've told you the number before, like I, th- I think it was 40 percent, 40 plus percent of this audience disappeared that first week of the pandemic. And that was a jarring sight to see. And it was like, oh, let people get comfortable. We're all getting comfortable in our new norms. We're all trying to figure this out. And the second week, OK, you know, the, the, the it was back up, but the decrease was only at like 30 percent. And then the decrease kind of settled in like around 15 percent. And then. I mean, my whole professional world changed the first week of June, the last week of May. When George Floyd was killed, uh, the podcast numbers went up, which was, it's still such a humbling thing to go back and, you know, recognize after, you know, your detractors for so many years on the radio telling you to stick to sports. It was ultimately social issues that brought people to this podcast. And then a particular individual uh, was fired from his job from being racist. And for some reason, people wanted to hear what I had to say about that. And that that week, that combination of events really shot this podcast into a different stratosphere. And it was that week that the Be Heard platform started to form in my head. Uh, it was the week after that it was presented to a major company which happens to be Intercom, the parent company of ESPN 1320 here in Sacramento. And that's where the seeds of all of these next steps with Be Heard and ESPN 1320 began. Uh, so thank you guys for you know riding with me for over a year here uh, on this podcast. But we'll do the big sentimental show uh, on Friday. I just wanted to give you a little update. There, there, there's going to be a formal announcement today, finally. Uh, you'll see logos. You'll find out who my co-host is. I'm 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 really excited about all of this. So, uh, thank you. I'll just I'll just leave it at that until Friday. Thank you for the support. Uh, we're gonna move on from the Kings. I spent 30 seconds on them. I think that's more than enough. And especially given the fact, I mean, they were just trashing them. I mean, both teams like they were just really not interested in in last night's game, and understandably so. I wouldn't be either. You know, they were joking about the potential for overtime and all that stuff. And it was really difficult. I mean, you know, even if the Kings and Pelicans had had a fantastic game that was meaningless, it was going to be impossible to follow what happened earlier on in the afternoon. The Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks put on a classic, and I was begging for an overtime game with Dame Lillard sitting at 61 points and the potential for 70 on the horizon. Uh, but we didn't get it, but we got a, a a second straight classic performance from Dame Lillard, who has been flawless since missing those two free throws. I believe he's missed one free throw uh, since missing those two. He was 18 of 18 yesterday. The number of people who have 
scored 60-plus points in a game and have gone perfect from the line reads like this. Dame Lillard has done it three times. Every other player in NBA history has done it three times. The only other individuals to do it are Carmelo Anthony, the only other individuals to go perfect from the foul line in a 60-plus point game. Carmelo Anthony, Kobe Bryant, and Kemba Walker. Dame Lillard himself has done it three times. And oh, by the way, those three times that he's done it, those three career 60-point games have all happened this season. Only one guy has ever had uh, three-plus 60-point games in a single season. Wilt Chamberlain. Dame Lillard's not going to catch Wilt Chamberlain. I'm going to go out on a limb and say nobody's going to catch Wilt Chamberlain. In 1961-62, Wilt Chamberlain did it 15 times, 60-point-plus games, 15 times that season. The following season, uh, he clearly slacked off in his offensive proficiency as he only did it nine times. Nine times. Dame Lillard had zero 60-point games entering the season. He had three this year. And uh, it, ever since Patrick Beverly started showing out, uh, it's legit uh, been Dame time. Here's Dame Lillard talking with Chris Haynes uh, immediately following yesterday's 61-game performance, 61-point game I told you when I first came here, I said, I ain't come here to waste my time. I came here, they gave us a chance to get in like we asked for, and that's, that's what we're here to do. Job still ain't done, but I, I said, you, you know what I'm here for. We're trying to get in. Our work ain't done yet, but we're fighting for it. In that fourth quarter, there were a lot of fouls. It was hard for you guys to get some rhythm. You guys were down. Take me back through that fourth quarter when you were coming down, hitting threes, and just going crazy. I mean, I was just in our huddles, uh, our communication with the team. We just kept saying, keep our composure. We got to start defending without fouling. And the first team to come up with a few big stops is going to win this game. Both teams played uh, great offensive games. And it was going to come down once again, like all our games have. Who wanted more? And I think down the stretch, we was the team that made the plays. I will never doubt you, Damian Lillard. My sincerest apologies for, for, for believing, for whatever god-awful reason, that maybe, maybe the Blazers weren't interested. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't really love this seeding process. Maybe they didn't really love this bubble. Maybe they didn't really buy in to this whole restart. He said several, several months ago, he said during the planning stages of all of this, what's the point in us going if we don't have an opportunity to make the playoffs. What are we going to go play games for if we're essentially not playing for anything? And the Blazers and the Pelicans and the Spurs and my God, the Phoenix Suns will get to them in a minute. Kings, all of these Western Conference teams, they've, they, they got an opportunity to play for something. And Dame, my bad, bro. You was 100% right. And Sir Dame Lillard, I will never doubt you again. Uh, the Blazers have one seeding game left. It is tomorrow. It is against the Brooklyn Nets. And with a win, they would clinch the eighth seed, meaning they would only have to beat uh, whoever the ninth seed is, whether it winds up being Memphis or it winds up being Phoenix. Uh, they'll only have to beat that team once. It'll be the first play-in game to determine a playoff spot since 1956. I had no idea this even existed. Since 1956, that year, the Syracuse Nationals, don't recall that team, appropriately beat the New York Knicks. Who knew the Knicks were even blowing it back in 1956? 
I know I mentioned Dame Lillard was perfect from the line. I don't know if I mentioned the number. He was 18 of 18 from the foul line. Also, this is Dame Lillard's second career game with at least 60 points, five rebounds, and five assists. The amount of players in NBA history who have done that stops and ends with Dame Lillard. No other NBA player has had multiple games of at least 60 points, five rebounds, and five assists. I mentioned um, uh, players with with, uh, three-plus 60-point games um, in a season uh, with three career uh, 60-plus games overall. He joins Will Chamberlain, who's done it 32 times. Kobe Bean Bryant, six. James Harden, four. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, four. Elgin Baylor, three. And now Dame Dalla, three. And oh, by the way, in the midst of all of this, Carmelo Anthony was 26 and 8 yesterday. The Blazers are 5 and 1 when Carmelo Anthony scores 25 plus points. I want to remind you Carmelo Anthony was not on a roster way back when. And he has been a huge difference. CJ McCollum I need to get confirmation on this, and I'll do. CJ McCollum, I, they said this on NBA TNT, and oh, by the way, if you stuck around on NBA on TNT long enough last night, you you stuck around long enough to see the Ori shot, and you stuck around long enough uh, for Shaq to call the general manager manager of the Sacramento Kings soft for not grabbing uh, the rebound and instead tapping it back like a sucker. <sighs> Where was I? Oh, C.J. McCollum's playing with like a fractured back. How do you do that? C.J. McCollum is playing with a fractured back, so if, if, if that's the case, whatever a fractured back is, it sounds incredibly painful. Uh, the Blazers are going to be relying heavily on Carmelo Anthony moving forward. Kristaps uh, Porzingis uh, had a career high in three-pointers yesterday, seven of nine. He had 36 points yesterday. Luka Doncic. 25, 10, and 25 points, 10 assists, and 8 rebounds. Uh, it's his 24th game with 25 points and 10 assists. Um, just a classic yesterday, an absolute afternoon classic with the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks. So let's go over what the Phoenix Suns did yesterday, and then we'll jump into these playing scenarios here real quick. The Phoenix Suns never lost 7-0. and They are on the verge of going perfect here in the NBA restart, which was about their only margin for error. They had to be perfect to have a shot at the playoffs, and now they do. Uh, the Suns are 7-0. and uh, It's their longest win streak since a 10-game win streak 10 years ago, way back in the 2010 season, that year, they made the uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, the Suns are the first team below 500 to win six straight games, all against teams above 500. That's a phenomenal stat. The first below 500 team in NBA history to win six straight games against teams above 500. A win. A win on Thursday guarantees the team will be mathematically alive uh, for a playing spot. Or this win guaranteed they'll, they'll, they'll be mathematically alive for a playing spot. So here's what here are the matchups coming up on, on Thursday. 
The Grizzlies versus the Bucks. And all of these games are tomorrow. None of them are Friday. The Grizzlies versus the Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo is almost certainly going to be suspended. He had 12 points in 10 minutes. And for reasons known only to him, he like headbutted Mo Wagner. So I have to assume Adam Silver is going to suspend him. I mean, and it was a it wasn't like heads accidentally butted. It was like he he threw his head forward. So Giannis will probably be suspended for the game against the Grizzlies. What's that mean? I don't know. The Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo are still significantly better than the Grizzlies. But it's going to be the Grizzlies and the Bucks. It's going to be the Blazers and the Nets, which we just mentioned there a moment ago. And it's going to be the Suns versus the Mavericks. Arguably the most difficult of the three games. I know the Nets are, are playing spirited ball right now. They're playing fantastic. They're locked into their spot. What's their approach? Hey, they've played great. And if they were trying to make a point here in these eight games, they have made it. Uh, do not sleep on the Brooklyn Nets. Seven replacement players or not. And, you know, now they're entering a time where they're going to have to take on the Toronto Raptors for a seven-game series. It's a different ball game than, you know, going through an eight-game stretch or going through an unmotivated Milwaukee Bucks team or, or beating up the Sacramento Kings or whoever else they've beat along the way. Uh, they've, they've made their point. Uh, they're playing with heart. Uh, they're playing with a ton of spirit. But the fact is now they're heading into a playoff series and they're heading, against, uh, they're heading in against the reigning defending champions who have been grossly... Uh, underestimated all year in talking about uh, the Toronto Raptors. Their ability to potentially win a second straight championship has been grossly underrated by the performance of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the shine of Giannis Antetokounmpo, and of course LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers and the star power of both teams in Los Angeles, the Lakers uh, and the Clippers. Uh, but beware of the Raptors. They could very well be there. Uh, once again, when this is all over. So they're going to be taking on the Blazers tomorrow. What's their approach going to be? And then we just talked about the incredible performance of the Dallas Mavericks in a losing effort. You know, they put up all of those points against Dame Lillard. They had a not the most stellar defensive performance, uh, but when you've got guys like Kristaps Porzingis going for 36, when you got uh, Luka Doncic being able to, you know, drop 25, 10 assists. Did you hear the... If you, if you missed that game, there was a very eye-opening sideline report on Luka Doncic. And it involved Luka in his second year essentially being the team leader. Being the team leader in the sense that any time guys are together, they, they, when, whenever they do anything, they try to make sure the entire team is is all together and there was something they got together at like a, at, like the I think the story was the Mavericks were together at the pool and it wound up being virtually everybody was there except Boban and Luca kept calling him and calling him and calling him and calling him and finally Boban answered and Luca was like hey you know we're all at the pool you need to come down here and be with us and I guess he was filming a State Farm commercial which is why he wasn't there. But the point, the point isn't, you know, Bulbon, the point isn't Luca calling him or a State Farm commercial. The point is a second-year player is the leader of the Dallas Mavericks. Like, think about that. A Rick Carlisle coach team that just saw the exit of Dirk Nowitzki has taken the reins as the, as the leader. 
And a team with Kristaps Porzingis. You know, a team with a variety of other, you know, pieces around it who have been in the league significantly longer. And again, I'll point out Rick Carlisle. It's Luka Doncic that is leading this team. And it is unquestioned. As if you need more salt in the wound. Someone told me before the draft that he could very well be a generational player. And I thought, ah, come on. Like, chill. Yeah, I mean, he could be. Could he be great? Absolutely. Could he be an all-star? Absolutely. He might be a generational player. Like, he's that good. And he appears to be getting better. And I think that's been one of the things. You know, we... (laughs) We all clump you. We all, hey, European guys, they're all the same, right? That's, how, that, that's, like, like that's, that's our form of NBA racism. Oh, NBA, the European players, they're all the same. They're soft. They're this. They're that. And I think, you know, one thing that we look at is a lot of these European guys, and this was my issue with, and I, oh, that's not, a, not my issue, but this was a conversation piece with Bogdan Bogdanovich's you know, after his first year here when everybody was trying to speculate, what would the Sacramento Kings be? and How much better will they continue to get? Bogey, what we see now, what we saw a year ago, and what we've seen during Bogey's entire run, I believe is what Bogey is. And it's not because he's a European player. It's because he's like a like an eight-year pro. And regardless of how this is going to translate to the National Basketball Association or anything like that, like he has a game, he has a style that he plays, it's what Vladdy loved, that's why he wanted him, that I don't think is going to change and I don't think it's going to improve. I mean, and, it, and it's good. Like, Bogey's good, but I never expected him to be anything than what we've already seen. The one thing that gave me pause with Luca, in terms of how much better would he get is his age. He, and while he has been a pro for a long time, he hasn't been a pro for nearly as long as Bogdan Bogdanovich has been. And his age was the thing that gave me, like, he's 19. Like, think about how a 19-year-old's game in the NBA continues to evolve. Think about the evolution of guys like LeBron James and, you know, however, you know, Dwight Howard. And you can laugh now if you want to go back to Dwight Howard's First three, four, five, six years. Dude, dude is a Hall of Famer because of that. But you think about the evolution of their game, and you're looking at what Luka Doncic is doing right now, and it's like you just you you shake your head at it. And it's going to be up to them to stop the Phoenix Suns. So the situation goes like this: each team, the Grizzlies and the Blazers, are in firm control of their own destiny. Um, the Blazers win; they're the eight seed. The Grizzlies win. Uh, I think they're the ninth seed. If both teams, if the Blazers and Grizzlies win, uh, the Blazers will be eight, Grizzlies will be nine. The Suns, even if they win, I think they'll wind up being left out. Uh, The Suns need the Grizzlies to lose. And and you know what? And, and, And after all of this, the best thing the Phoenix Suns did yesterday was not beating the Dallas Mavericks. It was the player introductions that they did. Of all of the great things that happened in the NBA yesterday, that might have been the best. They had their, like, family members, uh, you know, wives, kids, uh, they were introducing the players. And it was was just, it it was by far, in a day with Dame Lillard going nuts, the best thing in the NBA was what the Phoenix Suns did, not by beating 
the the Dallas uh, not by beating the Philadelphia 76ers, but by that 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 player introductions. That that was awesome. You've got to go out of your way to see it. I'll post it on the various accounts. You can check it out. But it was it was really really good. They they have won. No matter what happens tomorrow, the the Phoenix Suns have won this. They have won this restart. And they have gotten our attention. They have gotten our attention uh, moving forward into next year. Uh, this is the coach that Monty Williams has. And I'm not going to, you know, this is, we're, we're going to drive ourselves crazy if we continue to look at. And I think this is where the big frustration comes in with the Kings. There are bad organizations. There are teams that don't play well. There are injuries and all of those different things. But when you look at things that the Kings just arrogantly passed on. I've said this before, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this. The Bagley draft, and I still believe Marvin Bagley is going to be a good player. He, he may even be a very good player. It was a two-person draft. For a year, it was a two-person draft until the Sacramento Kings got the third pick. Or excuse me, until the Sacramento Kings got the second pick. And then it was no longer a two-person draft. The introduction... Of, of who would go second did not change until the Sacramento Kings got that pick. And you could say, well, why don't we, why don't we blame Atlanta? Why don't we blame Atlanta for uh, passing on Luka Doncic and trading him and doing all those different things or, or, or whoever or whatever we're going to do there? Yeah, because this isn't a show based in Atlanta. This is a show based in Sacramento. I'm sure Atlanta's very, very happy with Trey Young. I don't know that Trey Young has the potential to be the generational talent. As much potential as he has, and as great as he already is, or as good as he already is, I, I did, he's certainly not the he's certainly not the the injury prone big man that the Sacramento Kings went with. So there's that part. And then there's the fact that when you're going through a <clears throat> quote coaching search you don't go through a search you zero in on a guy who has finished perpetually under 500 in his entire coaching career in Los Angeles you hire him essentially sight unseen without bothering to talk to the other extremely qualified candidates that are out there that qualified candidate and maybe he dodged a bullet by landing in Phoenix rather than Sacramento is Monty Williams why well, you see it. You see it right now. He's got a team that is seven and zero, had next to zero opportunity to get into the playoffs, to get into a restart or to get into the uh, playing game. Excuse me. And yet here we are. The Suns could go eight and zero and still miss the playing game. They need a little help along the way, but to me. The story of this restart, as great as Dame Lillard has been, particularly the last two games, as great as Portland has been to get themselves into this position, even if you want to go with a negative story, as big of a disaster as the Memphis Grizzlies have been to essentially play their way out of the eight spot, the story of this restart has been Monty Williams, the Phoenix Suns, and what he has gotten that group to do. The way Devin Booker is playing, the defensive intensity. Man, does that phrase sound familiar? Defensive intensity that this team has played with. Devin Booker, 35 last night. Miles Bridges, 24 last night. 
He's getting the most out of his players. Five Phoenix Suns in double digits last night. DeAndre Ayton's shot was off. No problem. He'll give you 12 rebounds along the way. They were aggressive. They got to the basket. 21 free throw attempts. They made 20 of them. Turned the ball over seven times. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? The King, you know, people have said, I think I said, the scarlet letter of the Sacramento Kings is going to be that, that passing on Luka Doncic. Man, not even interviewing Monty Williams is a very, very close second. If the scarlet, if they're scarlet letter, that the, the, the Luka Doncic is a capital letter, and then the Monty Williams one is a lowercase. They can wear them both. It just speaks to the ridiculousness of what this franchise has been and the way that they've conducted themselves and the horrible general manager that Vlade Divox has been. Let's keep it moving. Hey, let's say something more cheerful. Go to thedopeones.com and check out all of the Be Heard shirts. Don't forget, I know a lot of people have hit me up about uh, ordering shirts this week. Do not forget to use the promo code. Get 20% off. Why Why pay more than you have to? And here's a, a, a footnote that I want to remind you of as well. These shirts are made to order. So they're not like sitting at my house. They're not sitting at a warehouse. They're nothing like that. Uh, we make them once they're ordered. It's why we're able to put so many different designs up uh, all at once. Whether you're rocking the new J Street Vibe shirt, which is purple and it is clean, or you're rocking one of the many different varieties of the Deuce and Mo podcast t-shirt, or you're rocking the More Than a Podcast t-shirt, uh, know that when you order it, uh, it's made to order, so it's going to take a little bit longer. It's not like it's going to ship tomorrow uh, and it'll be there in three days. It normally takes about a week and a half to get there. One of my shirts, well, actually, one of, it, it, it kind of depends on the shirt you order. One of my shirts got here in like five days. You know, the Dope Ones Collection shirt that I got, it, it got here in five days. Uh, some of the other stuff that I ordered, and I ordered a whole bunch of stuff from Dom, it, it got here in about 12 to 13. Uh, so just know that, that, that when you order it, it takes a little bit longer to get there because it is made to order. And if you use the promo code AUG1, August 1, AUG1, you'll get 20% off your order. Use that today. Get 20% off your order and cop all the gear. You can get Be Heard uh, face masks. Uh, you can get Be Heard t-shirts, more than a podcast t-shirts. Uh, and maybe we'll throw some new stuff up uh, in honor of our debut on ESPN 1320 uh, coming up this Monday at noon. Uh, let's go to some bad news because it was a it was a major story yesterday. And again, I told you today felt like a day full of lead stories. Uh, the Big Ten voted to postpone its football season as well as all of their other uh, fall sports uh, with the hopes of playing in the spring. Uh, about 60 to 90 minutes later, uh, the Pac-12 made a similar announcement unanimously voting to postpone all sporting competitions through the end of the 2020 calendar year, including college basketball. Uh, following the announcements by the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, 53 of the 130 FBS programs uh, will not be playing football in the fall. So let's give you... Okay, here's, here's a timeline of events, by the way. We'll give you a timeline of events and then update you on the other Power 5 conferences. It was about a month ago 
a little over a month ago that the Big Ten announced it's going to play a conference-only schedule. And they released that schedule to the world about a week ago. They revised the schedule. 10-game, conference-only, here you go. And then yesterday they announced, no, nope, we're not going to do any of that. Season is postponed with the hopes of playing it in the fall. Now we're going to get back to that point in a minute. We're, or not fall, spring. We're going to get back to the point of playing it in the spring in, in, in just a minute because there is a conversation to be had about there, even if hypothetically, and let's cross our fingers for multiple reasons, that football is able to be played in the spring. Because if football is able to be played in the spring, maybe the country is on the rebound uh, and we're no longer on the edge of a cliff that is, uh, and we're all about to fall into uh, our fiery deaths. The Pac-12, similar timeline. Uh, they announced they were going to play a conference-only schedule about a month ago. Uh, later in July, they released a revised schedule for their football season. And then yesterday, they postponed uh, all of their sports um, through the fall season, through the end of 2020. Now, let's give you an update on, on the rest of uh, the Power Five. We'll start with the ACC. The ACC announced a full schedule just six days ago. They announced a full schedule where the 14 teams of the ACC and Notre Dame will play an 11-game schedule with 10 conference games and one non-conference game that must be played in the ACC team's home state. Notre Dame will be a part of the ACC for the 2020 season and will be eligible to play for the ACC championship. Okay, that takes care of three conferences. The Big 12. The Big 12 announced that uh, conference games will uh, conference uh, programs, the Big 12 conference programs, will play a 10-game season consisting of nine conference games and one non-conference opponent. The anticipated start date, it's about three weeks away. They're looking to start on August 29th. Okay. That's when they're looking to get this season underway. That's the Big 12. So there's four of the power conference. The fifth, the biggest, the SEC. The SEC has said they will play a 10-game regular season uh, with all conference opponents. Teams will play their six divisional opponents, two previously scheduled non-divisional opponents, and two additional non-divisional opponents. Um, dates for those games have not yet been decided, with the championship game right now being scheduled uh, for either December 12th or December 19th at AT&T Stadium. The potential start date for, or the uh, executed start date, the planned start date for the SEC has not yet been announced. There are rumblings that the Big 12 is going to change course. There are rumblings that the SEC is not. There were rumblings that all five power conferences were going to work in unison. So when the Big Ten dropped yesterday and the Pac-12 shortly followed, it appeared to fall in line with the original report from a couple of days ago that, okay, the power five conferences are, are going to work in unison in this. Shortly after the Big Ten's announcement, the Pac-12 through a source, like through, you know, uh, like no official formal channels, we're like, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and go through with it. The SEC, uh, 
they were quick to follow with a with a with a with a similar announcement in that they will uh, continue to move forward with their planned college football season. Now we mentioned a potential spring season. The complexity of that is deep because if you're going to play a spring season, you know, let's, let's, let's argue. I mean, like, like what best, best, best case scenario, March. Let's go with a conservative approach. April. All right. So what do we got here? April, May, June. Okay. Everything wraps up 100% official in July. All righty. Works. Are we turning around and playing football in September? I mean, because let's, let's not forget, everybody. These are student athletes. Remember, their tuition and their education is payment enough for the billions of dollars that they bring these universities. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget organizations. And when I say organizations, forgive me. Let's not forget universities are scrambling to get these college football games played because the college football programs can help fund other fall sport programs, other spring sport programs, other university athletics can be funded by the college football program. So we're really going to play into the summer. And I get it, man, it is dire out there. It's dire for college football just as it is for, for, for many other industries out there, particularly in some of these, these smaller universities. You need the revenue of college football. You need the revenue of, of, of college basketball. And I wonder if this is the awakening like, yeah, okay. Sorry, guys. We were full of crap this whole time. We need these athletes. We need our employees to step out there for us and perform. And I know, and, and, they're, and what they're doing, and this is, this is kind of the gross part in all of this, in, in most of you know, what involves the NCAA is gross. But they're taking advantage of these young men and women's desire to play. We talked about this yesterday, I think. Like, these guys, they're athletes. Of course they want to play. When you're an athlete at that level, that's all you want to do is play. There's nothing surprising about Trevor Lawrence tweeting we want to play. There's nothing surprising about any college athlete or any professional athlete. You know, going out there on the limb, there's nothing surprising about NFL players, you know, risking potential long-term health issues, whether they be head issues or whether they be COVID-19 related issues. There's no surprise about them going out there and wanting to compete because they're competitors. They've done it their whole life. But to ask college athletes to make that decision when we, all of us, don't know the potential long-term ramifications of this disease is terribly unfair. And it's gross. If they just acknowledge like, yeah, no, we need them. We, we've got to figure out something for them. These marketing deals that have been approved and these, you know, making money off of their own likeness. You know, the, you know, with all of that being approved, that's not enough. We have to figure out a way to compensate our professional athletes or <laughs> our collegiate athletes, which essentially are a professional athlete feeder system. 
I mean, can you imagine if you're imagine being a parent of a college football player? Imagine being the parent of a, a higher end college football player who says, you know, mom, dad can't we're, we're not going to be able to play this fall. But the but the but the but the goal is to to be able to play in spring and, and we hope to be able to play in spring. And we're going to go from from April to July. I'll have August off and we'll start we'll start camp at the end of August and we'll be back at it in September. Because remember, college football usually starts about a week or two before the NFL. Normally, we're talking about the first college football game being played at the end of August. Now, there are ways to, if the SEC continues, if the Big 12 continues, and if the ACC continues, you schedule them for, for later starts, and perhaps the Pac-12 or the, or, or, or the Big 10, you know, power conferences that have suspended their play, they can get started a little bit earlier. They can get started in July, uh, August. There's a lot of manipulation uh, of the schedule each year. You know, some teams start early so they can get an extra week off. It's not universal uh, like it is uh, in the NBA. Or excuse me, it's not universal uh, like it is in the, in the NFL. So there you have it. Uh, it's a, it's a, it was just an awful, awful day for college sports. As you know, I'm a huge college football fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big college sports fan, period. It's been a little bit more difficult to get into uh, the college basketball season uh, as of late, but uh, just a catastrophic day uh, for college sports. And, you know, it's just something we'll have to keep our eye on. I don't believe, I just, I don't believe that these other three conferences are going to move forward with their programs with, I, I don't believe they are. Uh, they just haven't announced any changes yet. Now they again, the Big Twelve said yesterday, uh, "No, we're, I think we're going to go ahead and with this." I think the ACC said the same thing. The SEC said the same thing. Give it time. Uh, give it time. I, I can't. I, like what? Like what do you even do? You you are so are we, we're just playing the conference games and then we crown a conference champion because you can't. You're not going to crown a. You're not going to crown a college football playoff champion. So is this just is this just so the ACC can crown a champion and the Big 12 can crown a champion and then the SEC can crown a champion and then as we get further into this these programs and their head coaches can bitch and complain that they're not going to get a chance to have a college football playoff and then they're going to push for a modified version of a college football playoff and then one of these jackholes can say, "Oh look, I am the college football champion." of of 2020-2021 when two of the five power conferences didn't play. If these seasons happen, that will end up being the scenario is there will not be a college football playoff crowned, a, a college football playoff champion crowned until we get further into the season and then coaches like Nick Saban or Ed Orgeron or one of these other clowns start, you know, screaming and complaining that they would have a chance to to capture a championship and they create some modified version of the college football playoff. But ultimately, I think in the next several weeks we're going to see the rest of the conferences canceled. I had less than none, like less than zero idea, less than zero knowledge that Hard Knocks started yesterday. Like, I had no clue. Hard Knocks debuted yesterday on HBO. It's the Los Angeles teams. It is, it is both the, uh, the Chargers and I guess the big revelation uh, coming out of that episode. And I have not seen it. 
again, I come, I did not realize it was on until I was prepping for the show and saw a recap of it. Like, wait, what? Like this is like the, the real hard knocks. It's on. Um, I guess the big revelation out of that was Anthony Lynn, the head coach for the Los Angeles chargers went through a pretty aggressive bout of the coronavirus. Uh, he talked about, you know, his, his, his body aching and the coughs and his inability to, you know, get comfortable in bed. He said he, he, he was, um, he said he was watching golf on TV and when a, uh, a PGA, uh, golfer withdrew with similar symptoms to Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn realized, uh Oh, like I might have a, I might have a problem. He got tested and he, and he went on to say, I have no idea. I can't even tell you how I became infected. I just, I have no clue where the exposure point was. So I guess I'll have to watch that today. Again, no idea uh, that, that, that hard knock started uh, yesterday. A couple of other notes, the Seattle storm uh, improved to seven and one in the WNBA bubble. This is the second time they have been seven and one. The last time they did it was in 2010 when they also went seven and one and they won a WNBA championship that year. Brianna Stewart finished yesterday's game with 25 points, seven assists, and four steals. Um, the Aces, the Las Vegas Aces winning streak continues. It is now at five. Um, 62 points in the paint yesterday for the Las Vegas Aces. 20 points uh, for Angel McCautry. 12 and 10 for Asia Wilson. Uh, she's had four double-doubles here uh, in this season. Only Candace Parker has more. She has five. Again, appreciate you so much for tuning in. Remember, uh, if, if if you dig what we do here, uh, go follow ESPN 1320 on Twitter. Go follow ESPN 1320 on Instagram. I'm excited. Uh, be on the lookout for the official announcement of the show with the co-host and the show name and all of the cool graphics. Uh, but it is coming up on Monday. I'm so excited to bring it to you. And you know, Monday's show is just, it's going to be a long love letter to you. It'll be sappy. It'll be obnoxious. I'll tell you about the whole, you know, process of, of getting hired, how this all started, uh, how long it has been in the works. Uh, you might be surprised to hear that and, and share a few things about the future that I may not have shared uh, in today's episode. So thank you for the endless support. Check out the latest episode of the Deuce and Mo podcast. Check out the latest episode of J Street Vibes. Check out the Dope Ones podcast. Check out everything we got going on on the Be Heard platform. Just search Be Heard in whatever podcast platform you use uh, to get your podcast and subscribe to those five podcasts there. And uh, we'll be back with more here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.